week, our patron conversation was so fun. <laughs> we got a couple more answers, but one of my favorite ones. So for those of you who don't know, we have a patron, and every week we post some bonus material. Mm-hmm. And last week we talked about women who have just been, like, totally done wrong. <laughs> uh, and uh, Misty sent us the um, witch from Hansel and Gretel. She was oh, like, those kids yes. were, like, vandalizing her house. Yes, they were eating her home. <laughs> terrible. It's a terrible oh, thing Oh, gosh. Do. That is mentioned. I think it's a... Um Miranda Hobbs makes that <laughs> connection. Connection, yeah. She's like, this woman builds her dream home, and then these kids come by and eat it. That is something Miranda Hobbs. Yes, would say. it is. I, I'm pretty sure that's where uh, it's from. But yes, I totally agree, Misty. Uh, mm. And if you want to hear who Allie and I kind of disagreed on, <laughs> get on to Patreon. Absolutely. Yeah, we have a we have a Patreon. Obviously, it's like a dollar a month. You can go all the way up to ten dollars a month if we, you want. If you want, we send you things like four times a year stickers cards yeah it's just fun um but if you don't want to do that you can just you know go on and rate and review us oh that would be great it is totally free (laughs) and it's the best way to support the show um we always say this at the end but (laughs) nobody makes it that far i don't know if anybody makes it that far especially on a three-hour episode like we had last week so i was so (laughs) stuffed up editing it was like painful because (laughs) i guess sounded like this you know what i mean the whole time yeah but we're not here to talk about last week. No, we're here to talk about this week and history. On the rock With Katie. And Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. And we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance. But keep in mind, we are drinking the entire time. And we are not historians. Mm-mm. No, we, we know this and that. Yeah, especially this week for mine. I was like, wow, I know nothing about this field. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, interesting. Research was, no, and the frustrating thing is, no, I actually know a lot, but I don't actually know anything. So So. this week I felt like I was like, it was so easy for me. Oh, mine was so hard. My research. (sighs) I know. I actually, you know, what's funny is I meant to do this person last week and I gave up because the Literally researching Catherine the Great was easier than this person. <laughs> I, I've definitely switched before because of that. So that's so interesting. Yeah, I was like, I can't focus on this. Well, I mean, you guys are busy right now trying to research like what recipe to cook this weekend. Because yes. it's a three day weekend if you're in the U.S. Most people have President's Day off. You're trying to get like, it's really nice weather. Yeah. You might grill out for the first right. President's Day ever. <laughs> I know. There's like. Break out the grill. so nice. Um, so you don't have time. No, you don't have time to look up these women. Um, so you're scraping all the rust off of your grill. Um, so we are going to describe them for you. We are going to get a little physical, physical, Allie. What does your person look like? <laughs> so there are no images of this woman because, like, she the it didn't cameras didn't exist. Ah, <laughs> mine too. Oh, fun. <laughs> um, but there, there's like we've conjured an image of what she's supposed to look like, mostly from one verse in the Bible, second Kings nine, three, where it says, 
When she heard it, she put on eye makeup, arranged her hair, and looked out of a window. And from this, we have created the most seductive, cruel, evil queen. Are you doing Jezebel? I'm doing Jezebel! <laughs> Allie, you're going to die when you hear what I'm doing. Are you doing somebody for the Bible? Yes, I am. Oh my gosh, okay, wait. Let's get biblical. Biblical! <laughs> Allie, this is unbelievable kismet. I don't understand. So wait, you're doing something for the Bible? Yes. Kind of, kind of. Old Testament? (laughs) We'll see. So my woman is often described as the most beautiful woman to ever exist. Her long, dark hair is said to have been magical in trapping any man whom she meets. In the beginning of her story, she would have been simply naked, but over time, she has developed many less attractive looks. She is said to have horns protruding from her head, wings sprouting from her back, and either the bottom of snakes or flames from the waist down. At first, I was going to say Eve, but you're doing Lilith. God, that two like villain women of the Bible. Can we get somebody? What? Can we get somebody here to do Delilah? Can like, we get a confetti. Delilah? <laughs> That's so bizarre because again, this is <laughs> this is a totally unplanned because we're doing a mystery date season, <laughs> so we don't know who each other's doing. That is so funny. Oh my god. Well, yeah. I. <laughs> well, we're gonna really have a fun time i also love how you were like i'm so comfortable with this thing and i was like i am not this was so but well, lilith is different because she's not in the christian no Bible. she's really not Very and different. that is why it was really hard because i was so used to like i mean we went to bible school so yeah. like i was used to learning what was in the kjv the king james, james version, version of the bible <laughs> and yeah this is like more of like a Jewish folk story. Right. So this was really out of my realm and there's a lot of things. We'll talk about it. We'll talk okay, about okay, it. But okay. what are we drinking? Okay. So this is now I get the whole fruit thing. Now I get the whole fruit thing. <laughs> so this is called the other fruit. Um, it is two ounces of bourbon, an ounce of elderflower liqueur, grapefruit juice, honey, and you top the whole thing off with sparkling pear juice and you garnish it with like a pear, like a big slice of a pear. Like a cross section. <sighs> yes. Yeah. I wanted this to be like, you know, we always associate apples with Eve. So I was like, what's like the other apple? A pear. <laughs> a pear. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's so nice. I don't even taste the bourbon. I know. It's delightful. It's really very, very refreshing. Mm. So what do you know about Lilith? So I think, okay, so I know Lilith is like definitely like had been in some, some versions of the Torah, but then is more like explained in the, the Talmud, Mm -hmm. like separately. And I think. My understanding is that she's, quote, like, Adam's first wife, but mm-hmm. she wasn't, like, paying attention to the rules of the Garden of Eden and therefore got the boot. <laughs> that's, but then I think that's the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve, so I'm not even sure if that's the correct story, but I think that's what I know about Lilith. She's, like, fallen angel material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, so tell me... <sighs> Okay. <laughs> Tell me. Oh my gosh. It's going to be really fun. Um, I do want to give a heads up. I got most of this from the podcast Sunday School Dropouts, um, <laughs> which is a podcast that sounds really fun. It's um, like an ex 
Jew and an ex-Christian who read the Bible verse by verse. And then when once they finished that, they went and did like some of the other stories that are like left out. So it's really interesting. Um, and they did, I literally, Allie, this is like the problem with the research. I was watching all these YouTube videos and all these podcasts and like, it was all so confusing because the thing about the story of Lilith is that there are just a thousand versions. Mm. Casey described it perfectly when I was trying to talk to him about it. He was like, it sounds like you're trying to tell the version of Spider-Man, but also include all the multiverses. That's exactly right. It's <laughs> like, exactly right. It's like, you're a genius. Yes. Yeah. It's just there's so many folk stories about her, especially because like over time she became not canon. Yes. So she's been taken out. Yes. Therefore, there isn't one like canonized version of Lilith. Yes. So I just want to give you that heads up because I am not a... <laughs> expert on jewish mystic literature um you're not i'm not (laughs) so just a heads up um but yeah we're gonna get into it and it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be a little you know splotchy as some of my stories sometimes are uh but that's okay (laughs) no one knows the difference (laughs) so in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth those are the lines that i grew up knowing as the opening of the old testament It wasn't until I was much older that I ever heard of a character who came before the beginning as we knew it. In the Garden of Eden, God created two people in his image from the clay of the earth, a man named Adam and a woman named Lilith. The two were created to live in harmony in the Garden of Eden, but unfortunately, all was not right in paradise. The problem was that since Lilith was made of the same clay and separate from Adam, that meant that they were equals and Lilith knew that they were equals. The big argument, however, came over a sexual position. She said, I will not lie below. And he said, I will not lie beneath you, but only on top, for you are fit only to be in the bottom position, while I am to be the superior one. Lilith responded, we are equal to each other inasmuch as we were both created from the earth. So basically, she wanted to be on top during sex, and Adam said, absolutely not. He's like missionary only. Uh-huh. This is why it's called missionary. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Lilith was so enraged that she spoke the unspeakable name of God. And once she did this, she sprung wings, becoming a demon, and she flew away to a cave by the Red Sea. Three angels went after her. Their names were Sinoi, Sansinoi, and Smranglef. They demanded her return, but she said no. And she not only refused the angel's request, but then she started producing hundreds of demon offspring a day. The angels threatened her by saying that they would kill any demon offspring she produced and drown her as well. She then decided to take her revenge on the whole world. Lilith pulled a Maleficent, and she declared that she now had the power to kill newborns, and she would go on to cause illness and death to any young children she could get her hands or claws on, quite literally because her most preferred method was strangling them. So really interesting. Like, I think, and I'm sure you'll probably get to this, but like Eve is supposed to be like the mother of all things, Mm -hmm. right? So Lilith is kind of like, this is the poison 
yeah. like the bad woman version of this perfect wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, you're going to be the mother of all humanity. I am going to be the person who kills humanity. Mm. Like she is targeting specifically, you know, sometimes it's translated to like the sons of Adams and the daughters of Eve. You know? I mean, what a patriarchal book. Yeah. yeah. Like act like the right wife or you're murdering all of society. Exactly. We're going to turn you into the ultimate villain. (laughs) Uh, Whenever a new child was born, she would claim dominion over them for a period of time. So basically she was like, if a new boy is born, I have eight days to kill them. Oh, is this where baptism comes from? Well, actually, it's interesting you say that because Jewish boys do get circumcised on the eighth day after birth, apparently. Um, But it was 20 days for girls. So I don't know if there's like another tradition that happens to girls on the 20th day but i thought that was interesting (laughs) um now for women at the time there was a way to protect your children um you could inscribe the name of the three angels that rebuked her on an amulet similar to how the mezuzah is placed on the door of a jewish home this amulet would be placed above the newborn baby's crib or above the mother's bed um, or sometimes the names would just be carved into the crib to ward off Lilith. So this most detailed version of the Adam and Lilith story comes from the alphabet of Ben Sirah. In another version, she is a part of an archangel couple with this other demon, Samael. And in this version, they're both created as the dark mirror images of Adam and Eve. So there's not just evil Eve, but there's evil Adam. Um, And then some other versions say that Samael created Lilith himself to be the queen of the demons. She's often referred to as being queen of the demons. Um, And then there is even another text that says that Lilith comes back as the snake who tempts Eve into eating the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge. Bitter. Don't take my uh-huh. man. In the Zohar, or maybe she was trying to rescue her. She's like, girl, oh. this place is evil for you. You better get the fuck out. You know, Honestly. maybe it was her trying to be like, you're not actually happy, which it, is also like, it's a Medusa playing the Medusa card. I think so. <laughs> That's interesting though, because I, I wouldn't think that anybody would want to make a woman so powerful that she's like the arch enemy of God. You know what I mean? Like the Lucifer idea has always made sense to me because it's yeah. like this male figure. Yeah. Lilith, that's actually pretty surprising, and I'm mm-hmm. not surprised it didn't stick. No. <laughs> well, and I like it too because every story it's not that like God made her powerful initially because she just had as much power as Adam, Mm. but she took the power. So it's like Adam could have also said the name of God at any time and been turned into a demon, but he didn't, Mm. you know, and it's like anybody could have apparently in this story, you know? And so I think the cool part of her story is that she took that power for herself mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying i've always wanted this backstory but for triton and ursula yes oh my god you gosh. know what i mean absolutely that's what we need yes a prequel and i do think it's interesting like i didn't really think about this in my research until you kind of we were talking about it just a second ago but i do kind of wonder if like the tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so i almost do wonder if she is like you need to gain knowledge. And unfortunately, in for all of history, like women gaining knowledge has always been uh, the root of a lot of downfall because men don't like women coming in with a ton of knowledge, you know, because then they aren't submissive, you know? Right. 
Um, so I don't know. That's a really interesting thing. <laughs> I like the idea that she's trying to save Eve. So in the Zohar or the main text of Kabbalah, which is a form of mystical Judaism, Lilith is a succubus. <clears throat> she flies by night. She seduces men while they are sleeping. And this causes men to have wet dreams. And then, so they have the wet dream. She takes the sperm and she gives birth to half human, half demon babies. So this is like... like the ones at the end of Fantasia. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. Um, and there's also this whole thing where they're like extra cursed because they're not welcome in either world. They're like, well, demons don't want to hang out with us and humans don't want to hang out with us, which I also wonder if it was like a way for people at the time to cope with like when your kid marries someone of like another race or another ethnic group, you know, mm. of like explaining things that are bigger than like the people at the time, yeah. you know, uh, which we know folk stories do. Um, so she can also cause, uh, masturbation and take the discard from it, um, and make some demon babies with that as well. And this brings us to a very interesting story about a guy named Menachtim who was really into masturbating. Uh, so him and Lilith had a lot of interactions, um, and they had a lot of demon babies and he was so addicted to it that there's this one story where he like, even like gets up in the middle of like Seder and goes to masturbate. Like he cannot control himself. Is this like a full adult? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. Can't um, control it. Addicted. And this is kind of meant to show his like ultimate depravity. Um, and because they he's doing it so often he ends up taking Lilith as a secret wife. Um, so because they have this intense relationship, this marriage, these half demon, half children offspring, um, when he dies, Lilith's children that he had with her, they come looking for their inheritance. <laughs> wow mm -hmm. um but since they're still in kind of like the demon world it's not like they can come down like angels and like communicate with the people with his relatives so they just end up haunting Menachtin's house and so the family's trying to move on and the rabbis come in to try and get rid of the demons and this guy like this worker lets them into the house to get rid of the spirits. And he died from all of the angry demon trust fund kids. So I guess like the moral of the story is like, if you masturbate, someone will die, um, which is not a positive lesson. No, not a positive lesson <laughs> No, at all. But I mean, is it, is it not the lesson that is like, like sex is bad. Anything sexual is bad. You, you know what I mean? It's like a very traditional idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's the root cause of the, I think it's the root of the whole Lilith story is yeah. that like, she's always associated with like specifically like sex and fertility and, you know, self-pleasure and, uh, you know, wet dreams and all of this stuff. Like, She's almost kind of more associated with, like, if Eve is associated with birth and new life, she is associated with, like, the opposite of that. Right. Which is interesting. Um, and this actually led to a tradition for many Jewish families where the sons of the deceased man take an indirect route to the cemetery so that the demon offspring of your father's masturbation don't know the way. And then when you get there, the sons recite Psalm 91 and dance around their father's body 11 times. So the ironic part about this 
to me is that you're doing a whole ritual acknowledging the fact that like most people do this thing that you have declared is like a sin and not good but yet you've worked this into like assuming every funeral you and know it sounds like i mean it's what i would say like if i was to look at like an it sounds like a pagan ritual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're doing it to ward off this other godlike creature. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Um, so I don't know. And again, I got all this from the Sunday school podcast. So right. I just thought it was really interesting that it turned into like real life rituals trying to ward Lilith away. Well, I mean, even the whole, I mean, if we're t- talking about the creation story, we mm-hmm. set up our whole fucking calendar on a seven day system. Yeah. Like there, there are real life, like, I don't want to say consequences, but real results. Like, yeah. Results from like what has happened in this like massive book that like yeah. the three monotheistic Abrahamic religions like yeah. all follow it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, in another story, she disguises herself as a parishioner seeking help from a rabbi. She asks him to come to her house to give her advice on a situation, but then, of course, takes off all of her clothes and tries to seduce him. Uh, the rabbi wrestles with his temptation, but ultimately beats Lilith, and when he rejects her, the entire house and her disappear, leaving only glowworms. Uh, it's the first time we hear of her turning into worms. Um, but that's interesting. I like that. (laughs) And another tradition, Lilith again flies by night trying to sniff out mother's milk so that she knows where new babies are and where she might be able to get her hands on one. In this universe, Lilith can shapeshift and she decides that she's going to be real sneaky with this new mom and she is going to disguise herself as a strand of long black hair and she just floats right down into the mother's milk that she is about to feed her baby in an attempt to poison it. I was kind of confused by this because I was like, do they have like breast pumps? Like, is that possible to do that without a breast pump well you can pump your own boob you can Mm -hmm. oh okay i did not know that yeah not i mean it's not as effective because you're really just like squeezing as if you're like trying to get simple syrup out of a jar okay Okay. know what i'm saying (laughs) yes i do um so she gets in the milk um but right before the baby is about to drink the milk the midwife sees the hair knows it's lilith somehow and takes the hair out and traps it in a jar the midwife then approaches Lilith and says, I'll let you go if you promise to leave this family alone forever. And you know what? I also want you to protect this family from other demons for at least three years. Oh my gosh. That's like a deal <laughs> on the Monopoly board. I know. So Lilith agrees and the family's babies are saved. Woo! Um, do you know what that reminds me of? What? You know that terrible scene in Harry Potter 7 or 6, 8, 7 or 8, one of the last two movies where um bellatrix is like torturing hermione Mm -hmm. and like carves mud blood into her arm Mm -hmm. um it reminds me of the scene where her hair like floats down and like it's just like bellatrix's hair that you see before it lands on hermione Mm -hmm. no it's yeah this is exactly like that (sighs) except for demon babies (laughs) i mean there's a lot of demon babies i feel like coming from bellatrix oh i bet yeah if we're all believing her child and she's like (laughs) pregnant in that movie with voldemort's baby um now it's funny because when i like read this lesson all i could think of is like i feel like this was like some real keen marketing on like midwives part to be like this is why you need to hire yourself a good midwife (laughs) like i will catch lilith for you (laughs) 
Wow. What, are you tired? Are you tired <laughs> you from all your mommy? <laughs> um, but before she makes any appearances in any biblical text, she was already a figure in the world. In ancient Mesopotamia, where the Tigris and the Euphrates meet around the Fertile Crescent, around 2000 BCE, the character of Lilith appeared in many ancient texts as a demon named Lilithu. The very first mention of her that we know of is from an ancient story called Gilgamesh and the Halupu Tree. According to this story, a Halupu Tree is found in the Euphrates and it's brought to the goddess Anana. A snake... Lilith and a zoo bird are resting in the tree and Lilith has made herself a home there. But Anana says like, no, this is my tree now. Like Gilgamesh, you need to get rid of these intruders. He destroys the snake, causes Lilith and the zoo bird to flee to Ariaris or some place in the desert yet again. And this is when she again takes her revenge on the world by starting to kill children. So it always seems like there's like a reason for her to be doing this. Um, and as with the Ben Sarah version of the story, there is a way to protect yourself from Lilith, but instead of amulets above a crib or a bed, they would use bowls. The ancient Mesopotamians would draw a picture of Lilith and write some incantations around it, like spells almost. Um, like one of them was like Lilith Abi, which means go away, Lilith. <laughs> um, and they would write that on the bowl, bury it upside down underneath of the house and the bowl was kind of meant to like seal the house and it could capture the demons. Um, it could be used for other demons as well, but Lilith was the most common. Now, there were some other, again, like very ancient ones, but we're talking about like little mentions on like papyrus, and, like stones that are like a million years old. Yeah. Um, and I was honestly having kind of a hard name, a hard time like, getting my head around all these ancient ones. So I thought that was the one that most <laughs> gathered it the most succinctly. I mean, but right. We're talking like four or 5,000 years BC yeah. at some points. Like it's really hard to collect this information when yes. it's like, we barely have it. Yeah, exactly. It's not like it's readily available on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. The, and like even the Wikipedia page, like I didn't really cite it because I didn't use it. It was so confusing. confusing because again, it's like all these little fragments like of things that have been found because the, what I want to get across is that the story of Lilith is ancient and it came well before the Bible in many different forms. Right. Which is really interesting. And this kind of leads us to her name. Some scholars believe that Lilith was not just one demon, but Lilith was a class of demons. And you could use her name as kind of like a, like a title or a category. So in Sumerian, the feminine version is Lilith. The masculine version is Lily. And the plural is Lilin. So other classes of demons would be devils and fiends, disembodied human souls, and half-human, half-demons. Either way, the Lilith category is typically a demon with wings and the face of a woman who flies by night and always seems to be tied to fertility. And this makes a lot of sense to me that, like, Lilith was more of a class, so over time, you kind of took all these stories of this class of demon and just made it like boiled it down to one person over right. time. Um, because the Bible we'll talk about it in a little bit, had some like kind of pieces to put together. Mm. And uh, 
Lilith kind of seems like they're like, okay, we have this character, like we'll put her here, you know, yeah, and then I, take her away. <laughs> I really, I'm really curious about the entomology of like Lily, like, mm-hmm. because we, like, I guess if it's fertility, like a Lily is like new birth. Like mm-hmm. we celebrate them on Easter. Like yeah. the church is decorated yeah. in lilies around Easter. And I wonder why like Lilith and Lily are so connected. Well, cause it's uh, an ancient, like, sumerian language mm-hmm. so and it's interesting because the roots in that word are even different from like like lily in hebrew means night which makes sense because mm, dark we'll go back to the other names that she's been called in just a second but like it's all about darkness but it's interesting because again it came from a different language and before that so yeah i don't know it's it is really interesting well um, i mean being a middle eastern scholar just means knowing so many languages i know it's yeah. a, it's absurd yeah it really is <laughs> how much you have to know i mean i feel like your cousin did that like he was like from that region not this time period but like yeah. that, that region was like what he studied or yeah. near there and i, I think was like so. that's crazy yeah i don't even understand how all your source material could be in yeah yeah <laughs> Um, but I would like to get into where she's actually mentioned in the Bible. So when it comes to Lilith in the King James Bible that, you know, we talked about earlier that we, the one we're most familiar with, there is actually one reference, but it comes in the book of Isaiah when he is talking about a country being destroyed. He said, it's land will be full of jackals and bats and just like all these terrible things. And then he says, there shall the Lilith repose. Hmm. So, which also kind of makes me feel like even at that time, like Lilith was more of a category, you know, again, that they boiled down to one person. Um, and the translation doesn't always come to Lilith. Sometimes it comes to many of her other names, such as Screech Owl, Night Creature, Night Owl, Night Specter, Night Monster, Night Hag, or Vampire. Again, all, which all makes sense because, um, it means dark. Lily means night. night. Yes. Um, most people agree that this is like the only reference to Lilith in the Bible. And even then it's like a little iffy because people will translate Lilith as different words. Right. Um, but there's a whole other group of people that argue that there is a nod to Lilith in the current translation of the Bible. In the beginning of Genesis, it says, so God created man in his own image in the image of God created male and female but later on it says and the rib which the lord god had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man so there's a lot to nitpick in the bible obviously but this is a very interesting portion because in the first text it says that man and women were created at first together you know it says then he created male and female but then it says that, you know, it has like this whole story that they made up to talk about the creation of Eve. So that something must have happened to make the creation of Eve's story necessary. And some people believe that this was the deletion of Lilith. The story was in between those verses somewhere and it was taken out. There are also some translations that have Adam respond to the creation of Eve saying, this time you have created me a helpmate. 
indicating that there was a first time that he created someone who was mm-hmm. not super helpful to him. <laughs> right. So he, like wouldn't get on bottom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that that was a really interesting, like, where is she actually in the Bible? You know, and right. she again is kind of in the spaces in between, like mm-hmm. she's still kind of there. Um, so now let's get to the pop culture embrace of Lilith. <laughs> First and foremost, we have to mention Cheers and Frasier. <laughs> she is, of course, represented as the love interest, wife, ex-wife of Frasier Crane, Lilith Sternin. She was played by B.B. Newworth, and apparently she was only supposed to be in one episode, but the writers loved writing for this character so much that they made her a series regular. She is this cold, stiff woman that people often get a chill around. <laughs> um, she is also... Lilith is a character in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. In that show, she's played by the wonderful Michelle Gomez, and she plays Satan's concubine, <laughs> who is trying constantly to get Sabrina to come to the dark side. I, I think I've never seen the show, but apparently her alias on the show is Madam Satan, which Ooh. I love. Uh, in True Blood, she's more of a vampire figure, and she's portrayed by Jessica Clark. Um, that was a thing in a lot of like she's kind of also known as like the first vampire because she's killing babies. She's sucking mm. their blood. She's sucking all this semen and whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, and then in the Chronicles of Narnia, she's kind of in the background. It's explained at some point in the series that the white witch is descended from Lilith, which is why she is always trying to fulfill her family's mission of killing the sons of Adams and the daughters of Eve. Which That's I thought was like crazy. Really I love that. interesting. That is interesting. Because <laughs> I always thought it was weird that they referred to like the kids as that. The sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. Well, it's very, I mean, because Aslan is very biblical. Aslan's mm-hmm. super God. Yeah. Remember in the book where Santa comes and gives them presents? That's so. Because <laughs> no? it's not in the movie. In Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the actual book. Oh my God. Fucking Santa Claus comes, Katie, and like gives them gifts. And, like, looks literally at Susan and Lucy and is like, you can have this gift because you can't fight because you're a girl. <gasps> and Ew. it's like Susan uh, gets, the, or, yeah, Susan gets the horn uh-huh. and Lucy gets, like, the healing medicine. And it's like, because you can't fight in battle. Oh, okay. It's That's literally the line. We have to look up the actual <laughs> line. But it is, I remember Caroline, we were reading it before bed and her going, what? <laughs> it was like that blatant. <laughs> cancel Santa. God. Um. <laughs> Get him at Cancel Santa and C.S. Lewis. But only that version. <laughs> but only that um, second. But one of Lilith's biggest namesakes is Lilith Fair. This was a traveling music festival with all female performers. Started by Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> After she was after she was sick of getting told no from concert venues, radio stations, festival organizers, they would say like, well, no, we can't play your song. We already have another woman artist in rotation. No, you can't put two women on the same concert bill. It's box office poison. So she was like, fine, I'll just do my own thing. She literally pulled a little. It was like, if you don't want me here the way I want to do things, I'm like, I'm fucking out. I'll like, go to a cave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the first Lilith Fair uh, took place in 1997 with an incredible lineup, including Emmylou Harris, Cheryl Crow, Fiona Apple, among many others. 
And during its three-year run, Lilith Fair made over 130 tour stops in North America, featuring roughly 300 female artists. It drew more than 1.5 million people and grossed over $52 million. And more than $10 million was donated to women's charities. The festival also had a mission of bringing up female artists who weren't getting radio time. It helped establish the careers of Missy Elliott, what? Erica Badu, Dido, Nelly Furtado, Christina Aguilera, which, you know, I think that's like her musical career. Like, obviously, right. she was like a child star, but I don't think anyone was taking her yeah, seriously yeah, yeah, yeah. as like a recording artist. Um, and Tegan and Sarah, one of my very favorite high school oh, bands. <laughs> I'm back on Nelly Furtado. Still I in know. My head. <laughs> Remember that song? That oh, was great. Oh, I love that mm. song. So good. I was more into. <laughs> that was my favorite song. I mean, I mean, obviously, Missy, though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God. Uh, the artist Jewel said that after she performed at Lilith Fair, she went from selling 2,000 records in a year to selling a million a month. <gasps> this was just a huge place for women to be at the center rather than at the margins of the music industry. It's like I'm not opening for Papa Roach today. Exactly. <laughs> and it was just a huge place for women, you know, to get a start. And it was only three years with a revival in 2010, but its effect for artists and loads of other people was incredible. And it's funny because when I was researching it, I got it a little bit confused with another festival focused around women called the Michigan Women's Festival. Oh, fun. But the Michigan Women's Festival, I want to be clear, they're very different. This one uh, is does not have a good reputation. Oh, <laughs> bad reputation. Exactly. Bad reputation. Um, so basically, it was created as like a music festival that only women were allowed to go to. And then it got to the point where they were um, excluding trans women. And they're like, well, no, like, you know, we're only accepting women born women. Oh, they're turfing it. Yes, they're Gross. turfing it. Gross. So Michigan Women's Festival, bad. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Lilith Fair, good. <laughs> I just want to make that clear because I had it in my head. I was like, was Lilith Fair full of turfs? I was like, I don't think so. I but no, they were not. not. Thank they God. were not. <laughs> Probably some turfs. There's yeah. turfs everywhere. Oh, we got They're hiding. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are plenty of feminist magazines and all sorts of other things named after Lilith. She's a character in comics books, <laughs> comics books, novels, video games, TV shows, and just about everything under the sun. And then apparently there was a Britney Spears concept album that was supposed to be all about like Lilith and Eve. The lead demo song was called Sorry Adam and you can find this on YouTube. This one is more from the perspective of Eve. It's all about her biting the apple but it kind of seems to me like she's defending her decision like sorry I'm not boring anymore. She's like sorry I want a life outside of here which I love that take on it. Um, unfortunately the album did not end up being what she wanted. The record label was not super interested in this concept album idea and they kept changing the songs until it just ended up being a regular album. The song Sorry Adam was I think the last one to be dropped and this project eventually became her seventh studio album called Femme Fatale which was released in 2011. And I think it's kind of fitting that after she survived 2007 and wanted to make an album about, you know, 
a woman. It was one who was cast out and rejected and told no. Right. And I just kind of feel like there's a lot of parallels between like the patriarchy kind of creating the concept of this like bad woman, you know, and I don't know. It just was really interesting to me that she wanted to create this album and like kind of wasn't allowed to. I mean, it's an interesting connection, you know, because she became famous at like 16. Mm -hmm. She was like a baby baby when baby one more time came out Uh and like she did what they told her. She did everything they told her to do. And then Mm -hmm. as soon as like she starts to act different, it's like, you're crazy. Yeah. You need a guardian. You shouldn't be here. And like, listen, I follow her on Instagram and she's a little nutty. <laughs> She's a nutty nut. Yeah. Well, but she doesn't deserve a conservatorship. There's like no. a difference between being a little wacko. Yeah. Well, and I think that she's like not doing okay because she was abused by a horrible system for so long. Like, how could you be okay? This, how could she be okay? Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Her yeah. posts are bonkers, but I think it's because it's coming from like, a person who has like PTSD. Like her she... posts about chocolate this past couple weeks. I've been like, <laughs> what is? Happening? I can't wait till we like cover her one day. It's gonna be a mega episode. <laughs> mega mega. Um, we'll have to do it like we did Chewy too. Where yes. we just split it up. Love that. I'll do Britney album by album. Shaving her head. <laughs> you do Britney post shaving her head. Uh, Lilith has become a feminist icon over the years, and for good reason. She is obviously a character who literally said "fuck off" to her shitty husband yes i love that she said i would be rather be a nasty woman demon than be submissive to you be on the bottom <laughs> also in my interpretation of that story she's simply asking for better sex right yeah i feel like she's like you're bad at sex let's fix sex like, no like this isn't how god created us like storms out of the room um, she's like you're yeah. not even willing to talk <laughs> exactly. about it like you don't even want to Fine. talk I'm about leaving. it um, she has become a central figure in goddess worship. There are plenty of books and podcasts all about people who worship Lilith, which is really cool. Um, and it gets into like left hand magic and Mesopotamian magic. So you can learn all about that and how to build an altar to her. If you wish, if that is the <laughs> goddess you so choose. Um, wow. Katie, that directly I'm breaks sorry. one of the 10 commandments. I know. Like, directly. <laughs> Um, but you I mean, might I think ask the first one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you might ask, how can she be this feminist figure if she attacks women and children? And I think the initial explanation and a very valid one is that this is a product of the patriarchal society that we live in. You know, like a woman stands up to her husband. So she's labeled a demon and a baby killer. But her rejection of Adam is not her first appearance you know it's not the first time we've known of an evil woman named Lilith this demon has always existed so why and I think that this is actually a gift that the character of Lilith gives us she is the ultimate scapegoat for bad shit happening to women you lose your baby Lilith did it your husband is jacking off to another woman it's Lilith's fault You're having a hard time breastfeeding. Your baby's tongue-tied. Blame Lilith. Especially when we talk about women who, like, in a time, in the time where they were, like, they were blamed for that. Yeah, and, like, infant mortality rates were astronomically high. And they didn't have any scientific explanations on why this is happening or what to do to prevent it. And I think it kind of can be seen as a gift to blame someone you know, because I think women are often 
taking a lot of the blame for this. And I think it might have been easier for them to be like, fucking Lilith, at it again. I mean, think about like, all the women with postpartum depression that yeah. have no help. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And uh, yeah, it just must have been kind of nice in a way to be like, just put all of your kind of problems on this fictional character and be like, yep, that's what the problem is. Let's it's be Lilith, not me. Let's you know? be mad at somebody besides me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, she's just the woman we can blame and hate, but also the woman who's going to save us all by saying, fuck the patriarchy. Ah! So that's the story of Lilith. (laughs) That's so fun. And I'm really excited to compare her. To, to this, this is, other woman in the Bible. Sorry, I honestly, this could not be better unless we had a third person that was doing Delilah. I know. That would be I like know. the big three. We'll have to cover Delilah sometime Some soon. Some point. Well, it's funny because on my notes, I put Jezebel or Delilah. Or I'm Delilah. Like, the same. One and so the same. So producer had both. In case I got to Jezebel and there like wasn't a big enough story, I was like, yeah. Katie puts Delilah on her notes. <laughs> I wonder if he saw Lilith and was like, oh my God. <laughs> or if he just has no idea. Probably no idea. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> Okay. All right. Ready for another drink? Yes. We'll be right back. We're back on back with part two of the Bible, (laughs) (laughs) but it's still part of part one. New Testament. (laughs) Still Old Testament Bible. Okay. Um, oh my gosh, this is going to be a really fun time, uh, in comparing these two women because they're just seen as such villains. Yeah. It's also really ironic that (laughs) I switched mine last week to Catherine the Great and it ended up pairing perfectly with Princess Leia. Right. And then that pushed Lilith to this week, who is (laughs) perfect for Jezebel. (laughs) So great. Oh my gosh. You know, two birds, one stone. Yep. Serendipity. (laughs) Um, so do you want to know what you're going to drink? Yes. It looks delightfully Jezebel. Uh So red. This is called a queen's blood and it is two muddled strawberries, a half of an ounce of pomegranate juice, uh, a half of an ounce of vodka and you shake that all together and then you top it with champagne and put a bay leaf on top. Ooh, Cheers. That is so good. It's not super <gasps> sweet. I love it. I think the how you muddled the strawberries, you get a little bit of strawberry taste, but it's not sticky sweet. It's no. not like you put a strawberry liqueur, a simple syrup in there. No, and a it's lot of the recipes enough. for Jezebel called for simple syrup, and I originally typed that out, and I was like, no, this is too much. There's fruit juice. Mm. There's champagne. We don't need simple syrup as well. That is so crisp and light <sighs> and delicious. I really love it. It's a brunch drink, for it sure. It is a brunch drink, and I love the color of it. I always think of jezebel and red oh yeah um because i remember you dressed up as jezebel one time for one of our halloween get-togethers um, when we could only be bible characters right so <laughs> back we, in that portion of our lives back in the portion of our lives where katie and i were super religious um yeah i dressed up as jezebel and i mean had literal stuffed animal dogs like mm-hmm. tied to me and you remember jake was um john the baptist and he, and had, he put a saucer around his neck yeah 
Yeah. Because he was beheaded, if you don't know. Another really <laughs> wild situation that I often don't like to think about. <laughs> I'm like, what were we doing? But besides me actually literally being Jezebel for Halloween, which I feel like is throwing it in the face of that type of youth group event. Like, you can only dress up as a Bible character. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, yeah, but I'm going to be Jezebel. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What besides that do you know about Queen Jezebel? Okay. So I think that, no, no, that was Bathsheba. I'm sorry. She wasn't the one who had an affair with David. No, 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 no. That's Bathsheba. Okay, that's Bathsheba. I we could get her on here. Let's I also her know on here. because she was in the bath and her name is Bathsheba. Right. Okay. Not that. Full so frontal. Now, full frontal in Paul of Tarsus. So, <laughs> like, the version you true. saw. <laughs> not even the same story. Um, <laughs> when old Sandy Paul showed you. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> background. Our same Bible teacher who was a thousand years old was named Pastor Sandbeck. So. Shout out to him uh, for showing you pornography by accident. Love it. Um, so <laughs> I know that she was eaten by dogs. Yeah. But I don't... I have no recollection of the story that led up to that. I right. don't know why that ended up being her fate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, but I know that like the news website, Jezebel is named after her. Um, and yeah, I don't remember any of her story except for the dog situation. Right. There's a news website named after her. There's a lingerie company named after her. A woman being called a Jezebel is kind of like your little scandalous little mm-hmm. lady. Um, well, a Z is very sexy. Anytime there's a Z in a name, I feel like it's like, mm-hmm. even your brother. Ooh, no, I told, wow. I totally forgot about that. Only for ladies. Only for ladies. Zendaya for a Zelda. Um, I just, I first want to say this is a real person. So I think very different from your story. Like when you're talking about like the, first five books of the Bible, there's a lot of possible history, possible parable. Right. But when you're talking about, you know, first and second Kings and like the actual people who ruled Israel, we know that they existed and they are real people. Yeah. So I want to start with that because she is a real human. Perfect. For patrons, should we sing the books of the Bible and try and see who gets the furthest? (gasps) You'll win. I don't know. I'm out of the loop. I don't think loop. I will. I, I'm out of the loop, too. I could say the um, helping verbs really quickly. Ooh. All right. Well, stick around for Patreon and hear <laughs> Allie and I sing things we learned in school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's where I got this information. I read a really great uh, article called Jezebel World History Encyclopedia. Hmm. I watched a YouTube video called The Fall of Jezebel Biblical Stories Explained. And then obviously I read First and Second Kings <laughs> in the Bible. Because first Kings, Second Kings, King, 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 exactly. King <laughs> All right, that's a little taste. It's a little taste of what you might pay for. Okay, so here we go. Uh, the story of Jezebel is scattered throughout all of First and Second Kings, Ooh. and is mostly seen as like a combatant to the amazing prophet Elijah with a J. Elijah, <laughs> not Ja. He comes later. Sha. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, oh sorry. There's Elisha and Elijah. Ja. Okay, yeah. you're right. Um, from what we know, Jezebel was the princess of Sidon, which was a nearby kingdom to Israel in what we would call modern-day Lebanon. Her father was Ithbal I, who 
founded a new dynasty in that area and expanded the Phoenician territory. So okay. she was Phoenician. Okay. Um, it seems as if he was a priest when the leader of that area was slain and then he took over the kingdom. Okay. So her dad was a high priest and then ends up king of this kingdom so she went from being like a high priestess to a princess very quickly. Ooh, okay. And this is like 900 BC-ish. Okay. That sounds like a we- it could be like a weird Hallmark movie. Yeah. Priestess to princess. Oh. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, c- I can see the cover of the movie with two big cursive peas. An ancient Lebanon. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All she wants is a castle for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. A convertible too, likely. <laughs> um, her father had a really close relationship with the kingdom of Israel, though, as they were directly south and was eager to unite the kingdoms to share resources. Mm-hmm. So what better way to do this than to use your daughter as a political pawn mm-hmm. and marry her to Ahab, the king of Israel? Like, that makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> as a Phoenician princess, we've seen this story over and over again. Um, as a Phoenician princess... Jezebel would have been polytheistic, as was her father, and she would have been extremely involved in the worship of gods because her dad was a high priest. Right. Like, it just makes sense. But also, Phoenician women were known to take part in public events and religious processions. We have artist depictions of banquets where women were casually sitting and dancing and playing music with men. So they were seen as very equal Mm. to the men all around them. They were expected to dress a little bit more like formally or like covered up, but they, they were like rarely excluded from things. Mm -hmm. They didn't really have political power, but they could be in, involved in politics they could be involved in religion and we do have the fact that there was at one time city states emerging in the area and women were allowed to be on the councils of these city states okay and then we also have a queen at one time that was an actual female leader of the lebanon area okay so women were definitely involved Mm -hmm. The Bible doesn't say anything in regards to the relationship details of Ahab and Jezebel. Not exactly, but we can assume it's a political marriage. From what I could find online, (laughs) King Ahab was born around 935 BC and Jezebel was born around 900 BC, which would make him approximately 30 years older than her, which is what we see in most politically arranged marriages. Also, we know that their joint rule started around 875 BC, which leaves Jezebel at about 25 years old when she left Sidon to move to a foreign country to marry a man she didn't know. Okay. The Bible, when it starts in 1 Kings, definitely like assumes knowledge about where Jezebel's coming from. They assume you know it's polytheistic. They assume you know that the Phoenician people were kind of like the Canaanites. Um, And it paints all of these assumptions as negative. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be a Canaanite. <laughs> no. Wow. Here we go with Bible. <laughs> um, 
But what we know from the political marriages that we've seen, even in our last episode, is that there's a lot of differences between people. There's different languages and different cultures and different holidays and different Mm -hmm. ways to dress and to act. And religion is definitely the biggest difference between modern day Lebanon and the Phoenician people and the Israeli people who are now directly south of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Ahab was a king of a monotheistic community who exclusively worshipped Yahweh. And Jezebel was devoted to a particular pagan god in her polytheistic religion named Baal, who was the god of fertility and agriculture. She brought her gods with her. She's 25 years old, going to a new kingdom, and she almost immediately comes into conflict with the religious class. But she also is like, I don't need, like, your religious people. Like, I'm going to bring mine. Mm -hmm. So she brings, like, hundreds of her own priests and priestesses with her. Oh, interesting. She's just like, if I'm coming, I may as well, like, bring some of my people. Yeah. And this seems like a really rebellious attitude Uh to the, the monarchy and, like, the very submissive female culture Uh of Israel. And this really upsets the prophet Elijah. And he announces that there's going to be a great drought on Israel. Um, And this happens in the Bible and it is specifically blamed on Jezebel that there is a drought throughout Israel. And then he, instead of staying to help, exiles himself into the wilderness goes away he's not gonna stay and help with this drought and when he's out in the wilderness just for side story this is when elijah's out there like raising that widow's son from the dead right Mm -hmm. he's like super godly he's like probably the coolest well because i think it was he was he the one that went up in the chariot yeah okay so he's he never died he never died he like rose to heaven as if he was jesus yes just the same way he rose people from the dead like elijah is very very important yeah pj p pre-jesus yes Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think isaiah is supposed to be the one that's the most jesus like but Mm. i feel like elijah's the only one that got the nod of like you don't have to die yeah so agreed him and jesus only the two Um, we don't know how or why, but while Elijah's gone, at some point, Ahab has a temple built for his new wife. Okay. In the middle of town. It could have been like, maybe my wife's miserable. She doesn't know anybody. She doesn't speak the exact same language. Like, I'm going to let her feel at home. Like, there's this woman here that I'm trying to like have babies with and like exist with. Or... Maybe she just was really charismatic and great at converting people. Like she was known to be a very controlling queen. Uh But when we see men be controlling, we call them charismatic. Yeah. And when we see women be controlling, we call them bitchy. Yeah. So it's a huge possibility that she was just changing the minds of people in israel and people are not fucking happy about it or at least the author of first and second right. king is not fucking not happy about having it. it right elijah is supposed to be the one that tells the people what to do <laughs> like we can't have a woman telling us what to think we have to have a man telling us what to think right and this becomes especially true to me when i try to remember that at home she was afforded more rights as a woman right so to come into this 
monarchal community with very strict female guidelines, she might be trying to save these women. She might be going around and say, if you worship my God, you'll be able to be free. Yeah. She's like a feminist recruiter. Yeah. She's trying (laughs) to bring people on board. And I do want to be clear that I know that not all Judaism and Christianity is as strict today. Like people are really trying to do a good job of having female, um, clergy members and like Mm -hmm. including people of different like sexualities and different races but like this is bc they are not trying to help no 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 no. they're not helping the women yeah at all so her temple's in the middle of town ahab eventually abandons his own worship of jehovah and begins to worship baal instead with his young wife so all of this leads us to know her as wicked, bold, calculating, and controlling, who had Ahab under her thumb. And I personally think it just meant that she wasn't going to yield her own culture to one she doesn't believe in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that perhaps people may have just liked her. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. But I also think I understand why people could get pissed, right? Because we saw that with Nefertiti, right? She went in and she changed the god and people got mad. Well, but here's the thing. I think there's a difference in being like, this is the god we all worship now. And she's like, here's another option. Right. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that Jezebel was going in being like, everyone has to do this now. I think... It seems to me, and well, I was about to. There. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I think you're right. Like in this beginning of the story, it seems like she's just coming in and being like, "Yeah, everybody like they're she's polytheistic, right? She thinks you can worship other gods, right? Like it's not a big deal, yeah." But she does get really mad. Oh. <laughs> she starts. I mean, now Ahab's kind of on her side. She's got her temple. She has people worshiping, and she does something pretty shitty that the bible records okay she does order the deaths of the prophets (gasps) of jehovah oh okay well i don't like that no this is not okay she's having people murdered not ordinary everyday people but literal prophets and priests of yahweh jehovah god as we would say she's having them killed okay which is brutal it's not okay to do because most times killing like this, we're stoning. You know what I mean? It was not a good way to die. It's being brutally murdered. Um, We also know that for her own priests, she is using all the resources and like tax money to fund education for them to learn about bail. Okay. So she, she does believe in education, but for what she thinks is right. Okay. Which is very not cool, but also of the time. Yeah. That's what everybody was doing. Yeah. Doesn't make it okay. Just makes it what it is. So the people in Israel are understandably torn. They're like, we don't necessarily like this queen who's being really super mean. Some of them really like her. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, we also like kind of liked the freedom we had when we were worshiping Baal. But, like, also, Jehovah was not, like, killing us. So they're, like, super – everybody's super confused because this is all happening in just, like, a couple years. Right. Yeah. This is a big deal. Like, right. this is – a it's lot like of things are getting upturned. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's going crazy. 
Okay, so then there's Elijah, and he comes back, like, from his little exile from raising people from the dead. He's so concerned about this whole thing. So he challenged the, the prophets of Baal atop Mount Carmel to a competition for the ages. Let's Ooh, have a competition. Yes, I do remember this. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So Elijah. <laughs> uh, wait, not that one yet. Ooh. This one's with the bulls. Oh, that's right. Okay. So Elijah sets up two bulls. They're going to have a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And you have to call upon your God to light the bulls on fire. Mm-hmm. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> there is literally no way. I'm sick of all this murder. Let's murder these bulls. <laughs> Let's murder these bulls. And then somebody's going to light them on fire. So the bulls are up there. Everybody's surrounded. There's like Elijah. There's like 850 prophets of Baal that she had brought with her. The Baal prophets go first. And the prophets sent their prayers to Baal. They're wailing in praise. The Bible says that they're doing this, like, ridiculous hopping dance. Some of them are even resorting to self-harm to try to draw Baal out and light the fire. The Bible also says that Elijah is mocking them. Wow. Throwing so much shade. Super (laughs) rude, Elijah, man. Um, So then Elijah... uh, after they're done, calls to Jehovah, and the bull bursts into flames immediately. Which is like, is this what he was in the wilderness learning how to do? Probably. Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. the prestige mm-hmm. all over. So the bull bursts into flames. Elijah has clearly won because the other bull did not even light on fire. And here is the part that's in the Bible that people glaze over. Then... Elijah ordered the 850 prophets of Baal to be murdered. Oh. So why is it that when Jezebel does it, she's a wicked queen. But when Elijah does it, he's holy enough to be brought up to heaven in a chariot. Oh, that's a good point. That's not okay. I'm really upset about that. Yeah. Because up to this point, he has done nothing wrong. But yeah, that's wrong. That's not okay. No. So now all these 850 prophets are hunted down and slaughtered. Ugh. Um, and Jezebel, of course, is not cool with this. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't like this at all. Me and King are just like having a time. And now you're killing the people I brought from my kingdom. Like the only people I know. Yeah. You're murdering them. Um, so, of course, <laughs> Jezebel is like, I'm going to put a hit out on Elijah. She like is specifically we're going to kill that prophet. We don't want him. Uh, we don't know if she's trying for revenge or she's just like pissed that all the people after they saw this bull light on fire start to convert back to um, believing in Yahweh and worshiping Yahweh. Um, but as if that's not enough, the kingdom of Israel that had been struggling with a drought after this bull incident, um, Elijah goes and like convinces like convinces Ahab to like repent and then brings the rain back. So now the bull thing happens, Ahab repents and the rain comes, which this is all incidental weather. (laughs) (laughs) This is is like Cindy from the weather channel Uh being like, unexpectedly it's going to (laughs) rain. Really rough. So, The little competition really marks the beginning of the end of Jezebel's rule. Mm -hmm. She, like I said, ordered his death, but she openly says 
if you're Elijah, then I'm Jezebel. Like, if you think you're a prophet and you're the almighty, then you don't know who the fuck you're dealing with (laughs) because so am I. And then Elijah runs away. Uh, He runs away again. Okay. He, like, doesn't hang out in Israel. He's supposed to be, like, the prophet of God, and he just, like, keeps leaving. Huh. Lightning hasn't come through the window yet, so I think I'm fine. Okay. (laughs) So he rolls and, like, hangs out somewhere, which has a couple implications in my head. It's like, A, God's protection doesn't go that far. B, maybe he doubts God's plan. You know, C, he's afraid of Jezebel, which, like, rightfully so. She put a hit out of him. Or, like, he knows he can't win against her because she's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Maybe it's all of those. Yeah. So on the... While all this is going on, King Ahab is not taking life so seriously. (laughs) Um, He actually got super excited about this new vineyard industry he wants to start. And he sees this guy who has a great vineyard. And he's like, how much money can I offer you for that vineyard? And the guy's like, actually, it's a family heirloom. And way back when in the timeline, God gave my family this vineyard. So you like absolutely can't have it. And I do understand that this guy would think the vineyard was from God because it was successful throughout the drought. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God. Like, God loves me and is making my grapes grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and King Ahab is like, but I can give you, like, all the money and a bigger vineyard, like, somewhere else. And he's uh-huh. like, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So Ahab gets super whiny and upset about all of this. And he starts refusing food. And goes into his room and just lays in his bed, unable to do anything but cry about the vineyard. This is all in the Bible, Katie. This is all in the Bible. Just so we're all aware. It's so funny because it would have been interesting to compare Catherine the Great and (laughs) Jezebel. Because of Paul. Because of Paul. or No, Peter. Peter. Paul's the son. Paul's the son. But, like, I kind of feel like... Yeah, like Peter was kind of whiny and like, you know, there's the wife like being kind of like the stronger figure, like picking up the pieces like, wow, you cannot make any decisions. Like, I don't know much about Ahab, but that's ridiculous. I mean, he's 30 years older than her and whining about a vineyard. That's ridiculous. It's really crazy. Um, But then people go and tell Jezebel that he's refusing food and like crying in his bedroom. And she comes in. She's like, I'm hi. You're the king. Mm -hmm. Like. You can have that vineyard. Um, But she's like, you know what, baby? I'll go get it for you. So she enlists a whole bunch of, in the Bible, she enlists a whole bunch of shady characters to go accuse the vineyard owner of treason and some other shit. And those are pretty high crimes. And then enlists the entire town to take him down and stone him, (gasps) which they do. And then she gets the vineyard. Now... All of this is reported in the Bible as if Jezebel is being really sneaky and using her husband's like ring to sign the document to get this guy dead. Right. But there are some really important archaeological findings that have happened recently. First thing we should know is that King Ahab demanded the vineyard and it was not given to him, which is treason. That's not a rumor. She wasn't right. spreading rumors. You were directly disobeying the king. Yeah. Which... It's a bullshit rule. It's a bullshit but rule. It's a bullshit rule, but that was the rule. Right. Second, there was an archaeological discovery that Jezebel did have her own ring Ooh. as a monarch. <gasps> so she signed those 
death warrant documents on her own. She wasn't being shady. And now we know that she was considered equal to King Ahab in ruler status. That's so interesting. She had the ring. Mm. So Elijah then told God, (laughs) hey, Elijah boy, Eli, (laughs) dogs are going to eat their whole family, their whole family, all of the family. And Elijah goes to Ahab and is like, your whole family is going to get eaten by dogs, your wife, you, your children, like, that's your fate. And Ahab's so upset, he, again, repents and, like, loves God. There we go. All the time. So then Elijah's, like, getting old, and God's like, I want you to come up to heaven in a chariot so we can, like, hang out. So he starts to train Elisha okay. to be the prophet after him. Mm-hmm. So Elijah goes up to heaven, Mr. Pre-Jesus. Years later, a war breaks out, and King Ahab is fighting in this war. I mean, Jezebel is still the queen between both these prophets. Wow. Ahab, I mean, I think over 20 years, she's the queen of Israel. Okay. Even after, this is 20 years that King Ahab is alive, and then 10 years after that. She's the queen of Israel for 30 years. That's insane. It is. So this is 20 years in. They've been married for 20 years. King Ahab's in battle. He gets hit by a stray arrow and is killed, uh, bleeding out on the battlefield. Apparently, as is typical battlefields, there are wild dogs that come and lick up his blood. But then also there's like pigs on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And because pigs lick up his blood, he's unclean. Yeah, in the Jewish face. So now okay. King Ahab is dead, died by arrow, unclean. This is about 852 BC. Jezebel goes on to be on the throne with her son for another 10 years or so. From what I could tell, Ahab and Jezebel had three children between 1870 and 1850. Not 18, 870 and 850. So. She had two boys and a girl, and they're adultish at this point. Okay. So I think Jezebel was about 50 years old. Wow. When So she has been there from the time she was 25, and she's now about 50, and her son is on the throne, and she is kind of ruling with him. Mm-hmm. And this is just, I had to, like, Google what year did Ahab die what year was Jezebel born? Because it's not in the story. I had to right. like, piece and, these dates together. And it's cool because they're, because they're real people, we actually do have those dates. We know that. It's <laughs> like, just pretty cool. And I had to be like, <laughs> did Jezebel and Ahab have children? Because right. when you read the articles about Jezebel, they're all focused on her sexuality and yep. not on like the real actual thing. She was queen for 30 years. She was queen for 30 years years that's why she's all throughout two books of the bible it's not a one-off story no this is such a long that's why i was shocked when you were like it's across first and second kings that didn't make sense to me it's like bam 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 over and over (laughs) again with the two two of the most famous prophets from the old testament Mm. you know what i mean the ja and the shah yeah exactly (laughs) no eli (laughs) okay so anyway jezebel's about 50 So her son, Joram, is on the throne in the wake of Ahab's death. But Elisha had another thought. He thought Jeru should be the king. 
and that they needed to eradicate Joram and the house of Ahab entirely from the Israeli line of kings. Hmm. They have a battle where Jehu comes up against Joram to fight for the monotheistic religion. Um, in doing so, there is an encounter, and this is the only place ever that we get a physical description of Jezebel. Couple of things. <laughs> yes, she was cruel in her murders. She was controlling in her rules. Uh, but so are a lot of male leaders, and mm-hmm. they don't get the whore reputation. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the many examples of patriarchal patriarchal backing in the Bible and that other religious texts at the time are telling us that women shouldn't be leaders. Mm-hmm. I did uh, at one point when I was like teetering on the edge, like I'm still, I still take my children to church. I'm very comfortable with my children being at church, but I did have a conversation with my church's pastor about it. Because I was like, I just can't believe people believe that the books of the Bible were inspired by God Mm -hmm. and that the people who wrote them were inspired. Most people know that. But I was like, I just can't believe in and worship a God who would create these books with such anti-feminine undertones. And one thing he said to me that was super important was that whether or not you believe the words were guided by God, men are still fallible. These authors still, whether or not the stories were guided by God, you could believe either way, these people can still fuck up. Like, they can still put their own biases into the text, which they obviously did. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah, no, I think that's a beautiful way to put it because it's something that I always struggled with you know and of course my mom was always like no 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 but like there are strong men in the bible and it's like not enough yeah (laughs) one not enough any other strong woman is depicted as a total villain right a total Lilith or Jezebel and it's great to hear a pastor like somebody who has a degree in theology be like it's okay to feel like that because a lot of people feel like that yeah well and I also do think it's important to note like there is a different like Yes, inspired by God, but written by man. Yeah. Like, and I think that is an important distinction to make when you're struggling with something like that. It's like literally the most pious person is still a fallible person. Right. Exactly. And I think that's important to, yeah. It is. And that's why, like, I don't want people to think I'm like shitting on the Bible. No, no, no. Because it is, I mean, whether or not you're a believer, it's the most famous and incredible book and mm-hmm. influential book in all of human history. Yeah. By far. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. So in the Bible, we see no mention at all of Jezebel's promiscuity. Uh, except there are some versions where there is like a little saying. So before the battle between her son and Jeru, who Elisha thinks should be the king. Joram asks Jeru, is all well? And Jeru replies, how can all be well as long as your mother Jezebel tries on her countless whoredoms and sorceries? Hmm. One line. <sighs> now, in some versions, it doesn't say it as directly, but it's heavily suggested that she's an adulterer or a harlot. Okay, it's funny because the way I would take that, because he says whoredom and sorceries, it makes me feel like the whoredom is not with other men, but other deities. Other gods. That's what I would interpret that as. Because you're a knowledgeable human. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but people can't handle the word whoredom. You know what I mean? No, it's like whore equals slut and right. equals sex and everything in between. And like, there's... really, they're just saying it's against the first commandment. You shall take no other gods before me. Right. And she is. Yeah, which makes I mean, her a whore. <laughs> a god whore. Thin line between idolatry and adultery in this situation. <laughs> I mean, my like friends. maybe a couple letters. Yeah. <laughs> so the last time we see Jezebel, and this is the actual verse that is in Second Kings that we see her description. She is looking out the window at her dead son, and Jeru has his blood on his hands. So Jeru is standing there just murdering her child. And she doesn't try to flee. She doesn't look fearful. Instead, she's described as having painted her face and done her hair. Mm. She is looking the best she absolutely can in the light of her death. She stared death in the face and didn't blink. She knows she's done. Her husband's dead. Her son is dead. She's over. She's not the queen of Israel. Others say that she dressed up to seduce Jeru. But if this is true in the Bible, why did she yell out the window at him about him being a murderer? I don't buy it. Others say she did it to mock him. No. But for me, it's her preparing for death with dignity. Mm -hmm. As an almost 60-year-old woman at this point, she's been queen for 30 years. And she says, I'm going to go out. With grace. On my own terms. On my own terms. Which I think is amazing. I'm done. Now we know that's not what happens. (laughs) (laughs) She looks great, but then Jehu looks up at the window and calls to her eunuchs to cast her down. They also know they're done. So they throw her from the window. This is all in the Bible. They throw her from the window. And when she hits the ground, her blood sprays against the walls and the horses. Mm. The horses then trample over her body. Mm. Jehu goes to a feast and is drinking and having a little fun. But then he's like, you know what? We got to bury her. Like, we should absolutely bury her. But he doesn't say we should bury her because she was a queen. Some sources get this wrong. The Bible says we should bury her because she was the daughter of a king. Not even the wife of the king. No. The daughter It has of the king. nothing it's to just... do with Ahab. It has nothing to do with Israel. It has nothing to do with her being in charge for 30 years. It's because her dad ruled in modern day Lebanon. It also has nothing to do with her being a person. It's not right. like she's a human being. We should bury her. Let's give her dignity and death. Right. That has nothing to do with it. Mm-mm. It's kind of like when people are like, oh, like, how would you feel if that happened to your daughter or your sister? What about like, if that happened what to anyone? Just happening to anyone. Right. Like, like anyone. Let's person. just bring this human being to just like person status before we talk about all this bullshit. It, like, exactly. And yeah. it's super like, I don't know. I just it reminds me of the way like when Olympic athletes like do something and they're like, that's her husband. That's, you know, her dad. Her dad was so and so. And it's like. But she also is like a fucking Olympic athlete. Yeah. And they do it to men too. They no, do. They, they do. relate mm-hmm. it back. But it's like, it's something that's been happening for years and years. It's like you are an established woman because of who your dad was. Yeah. And that's why they choose to bury her. So by the time they get back, however, all that's left is her skull and her hands and feet because dogs had eaten her. Mm. Jezebel is definitely treated unfavorably in the Bible, often seen as one of the most evil 
women other than perhaps Lilith or Delilah. <laughs> she is seen as someone who is conniving as a harlot and who flaunts against God's commandments. But I think that we need to look at this more historically. This is the story of a kingdom fighting over the right of religion. And in the end, monotheism, monotheism wins and Jezebel is assassinated by her own guards. But her name isn't synonymous with that type of religious political battle. Right. It's synonymous with the concept of an evil seductress and sexual promiscuity. And it's become an insult to women. Mm-hmm. So while I was doing this research, <laughs> I found something called the Jezebel spirit. And apparently, and everybody, I swear to God, Google this. You can watch videos on how to make sure your wife doesn't have a Jezebel spirit. No. Five five signs your wife is a Jezebel. Katie, I listened. Oh, my God. To so many things about having the Jezebel spirit. So then I'm telling producer about this. And I was like, babe, here are five signs. A sense of an article. Here are five signs that your wife you can make sure you don't have a wife with the Jezebel spirit. And he goes, saw the signs, ignored them. <laughs> That's I was like, perfect. I was like, thanks, babe. <laughs> I saw the signs and, and I turned the other way. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Oh, my this God. was, it, it's crazy. Recent scholars, however, <laughs> you're not going to share the signs. <laughs> oh, no, I can't. I mean, it's insane. It's like, is your wife powerful? She, <laughs> does your wife think that she can control things? Does she insist that she's a human being with her own inalienable rights? I mean, they were, <laughs> they were all literally just like you being too outspoken. Like anybody <laughs> being too outspoken is a Jezebel spirit. Does your wife demand the remote when I you're watching wait. TV? As soon as we finish this, we have to Google we the Jezebel to. spirit. Oh my god! Maybe I, we'll do it for Patreon. It's such a big, <laughs> it, it's a big hole in the internet. I did not want to become a part of, and now I'm there. I've seen things like that, um, where it's like kind of like TikTokers who are like, you know. <laughs> Boys who are freshmen at a Christian college who are like, just looking for my, you know, Mary, like looking for my wife, you know, and it's like, it's just like very cringe. (laughs) It's like, I want to look for a woman who's a virgin. (laughs) Oh my God. No woman can be all five things. A Mary. Ah! A Ruth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm looking for what is it? Psalms 34 girl. <laughs> what is that one? It is. She wakes before day. That just describes a tired fucking woman. I know. That drives me bonkers. She's just controlling a fucking household and still she doesn't get respect. Anyway, not the point. We're going to Google Jezebel spirit later. Okay. Recent scholars have really tried to change this image. People who are biblical scholars, but not necessarily religious, have been like, we need to refute this idea that she was sexual because we don't have actually any proof of that. Right. She had three kids with this one guy, and we have no idea if she was walking around seducing people. Like, that has nothing to do with this at all. She's also seen as, like, a woman 
who who was like trying to overtake God, but maybe she was just fed up that the women in her community had no say and she came from a community who did have a say. So this I brought from an actual biblical scholar because I wanted I brought a quote because I wanted everybody to know I'm not insane. Says for more than 2000 years, Jezebel has been saddled with a reputation as the bad girl of the Bible, the wickedest of women. The ancient queen has been denounced as a murderer, a prostitute, and an enemy of God. And her name has been adopted for lingerie lines and World War II missiles alike. But just how depraved was Jezebel? In recent years, scholars have tried to reclaim the shadowy female figure whose tales are often only partially told in the Bible. Furthermore, as a Phoenician woman, she would have enjoyed liberty. And I think that she was trying to take her role as a daughter of a priest in a priesthood to tell women that you can do something different. And the reason this scared Elijah is I think that she was the first woman that he came across with an education. Yeah. And I think that he showed up and was scared. Uh Uh-huh. She came in here and she knew what the hell she was talking about. And we have not afforded our women that right. Yeah. So um, they were prepared for a princess to come in as a second class citizen. And she was not going to do that. Ugh. And that's I the story So interesting. It's funny because it was like all coming back, but I like couldn't remember like the little details coming back to me now. You were talking about the water on the cape thing. Water on the cape? Cloak. No, 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 no. Morning. I'm talking about when it was like there were two, and maybe it got (laughs) in the version (laughs) I learned. The bull got turned into like a like a pile of sticks. Could have, yeah. And it was like you know, like they were asking God to like, you know, like the pile of sticks or the pyre or whatever. Yeah. And then Elijah even like doused it with water. Oh, there's a lot and more I'm to sure that story. Yeah. And whatever. But that was the one I remember. It was like he doused it with water and he still got it to light on fire. Um, yeah. But anyways, we need to talk about these <laughs> two women together in a little segment we like to call just the two of us. Okay, I think we need to start with their sexuality. They have this reputation, both of them as whores. But if we look at historical like fact, they only slept with one person. One! One! And these are the whores of all time. <laughs> I cannot believe it. Because Jezebel's literally a queen that had three kids with one guy. Yeah, like probably the most <laughs> chaste person in the kingdom. <laughs> and they're like, slept because you are educated (laughs) Lilith is literally like can I do reverse cowgirl and he's like no No. (laughs) okay and then because I want to start with that because I just think it's so crazy that they are depicted as this and especially because like I think Lilith gets this reputation because she like takes the sperm of masturbation and wet dreams which is like okay She's not doing that. Like <laughs> the men are doing that on their own and she is like making demons from it. But like ultimately she's if, like being productive with her natural resources. <laughs> she's like, fine, if you won't use it, I will. 
<laughs> she's going green. She's like, this is wasted potential. These could be demons, and yet they're nothing. Maybe she was, um, like, secretly, <laughs> like, the first, like, fertility clinic. <laughs> she's like, listen, I'm going to collect the sperm of all these men, and if you're struggling getting pregnant, I can help you. Oh, my gosh. Well, and I think that was another interesting thing was, like, like you mentioned that she worshipped fertility gods, and, like, that's a li- like Lilith is kind of like the anti-fertility god um, in a weird way. I love the idea but, that fertility gods are even important. I, I know. Well, and I think it's because, again, it's like I think Lilith is taking the job of the bad guy in this situation. You know, we talked a little bit about blame for both of them, you know, and we – come into this situation with Jezebel where she's being blamed very unjustly for this drought. It's like, she's like, I don't have any control over that. Like, what are you talking about? And I think that is a bad blame. That is like, you are blaming this woman for your problems that have nothing to do with her. And it's funny because I talked about more of like a positive blame that like women could kind of put their problems on Lilith and like take them off of their shoulders. And I wonder what we think of that. Is it ever okay to blame another woman? Because I was kind of having second thoughts when you were talking and I was like, wow, is it bad that like we are blaming this female character for... No, I think that I think that everybody who's struggling needs to find someone to blame. Yeah. So I think that the women in your story are blaming this fictional character that mm-hmm. we don't know ever existed. She's a folklore. And I think folklores are an interesting people to blame. Yeah. In real life, if the weather is bad, it's not your queen's fault. <laughs> like, like, it's not Dr. Jill Biden's fault. Right. But like. <laughs> exactly. Like there isn't, you can't make that connection. And I think the problem is that at this point in history, people saw their Kings and Queens as the closest thing to God. Yeah. Even Mm -hmm. in monotheistic religions, they were surrounded by people who thought that their Kings and Queens were deities. And you can't say that didn't rub off Yeah, because it did. So then if you're thinking like, it's not raining, that's clearly the fault of Ahab and Jezebel, then you're blaming the wrong people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is better no, blaming like a like a more of like a like I think blaming Lilith is better than blaming Jezebel because when you blame Lilith you're not blaming a particular person it's just like this is my only way of explaining like this shitty thing that happens to me and it doesn't matter because there isn't you know your next door neighbor Lilith who you're like well it's all her fault because I didn't see her praying and like I asked her to for me you know which I think is like a more positive way to express your disappointment with the shittiness of the real world and that's what we're talking about people dealing with like the fucked upness of the real world i mean it's kind of what the bible is about yes. you know it's like people finding comfort in things that are outside of their control. And it's the reason that I find religion so beautiful and fascinating. Mm-hmm. I do think, obviously, it creates wars. Obviously, it creates tension. But I think at the soul of most religions, you're trying to create hope and yeah. you're trying to create someone to blame. And I think both of those things are okay. I think they're fine. You're allowed to yeah. say, when, like, so, like, after I kind of changed my beliefs, I had a very significant death in my life, and it was the first time that I couldn't say, oh, well, they're in a better place. Mm. And I realized that for me, that was hard because I lived my whole life thinking 
they're in a better place. And that's why I really support religion. I think yeah. it brings hope to people and it brings love to people. When we take it to the shittiness, when we're killing other people because <laughs> right. of their religion, that sucks. But I think in general, the idea of religion is to bring people together and say, like, here's something that we can jointly agree upon as a great way to like share our fear and share yeah. our happiness. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that we kind of touched on both of these women using the power that they took. Like, let's be clear, like Jezebel could have done nothing. She could have been like a simple bride coming in, like doing have her the thing, have the babies, the whatever. But she decided to take on a more powerful role. And Lilith decided to leave the Garden of Evil and make herself a demon. Mm. You know, like those were choices that they made and i think it's interesting that we both touched on them trying to bring other women into this path that is harder you know i want to be clear like being a person who is like trying to take control of your life it is sometimes harder you know like i think it's easy to be like wow wouldn't it be great if i just like was like not that a staying, being a stay-at-home mom is, like, easy. It's so fucking hard. But, like... If I fit into traditional social norms. Right. If I fit into traditional social norms, then, like, I don't have to explain anything to anybody. I don't have to do any of this shit. Like, I could be living an easier life. And they're like, no. Like, I feel like they're both reaching down to other people and being like, this struggle is worth it. You know right. what I'm saying? And I kind of love that idea of them both being like... This is not the easiest route. <laughs> well, and what we don't see is we don't see those conversations, right? Where it's like, if I was to look at you and be like, do you want kids? And you're like, no, I don't want kids. Mm -hmm. There isn't that beautiful conversation of, oh, let's talk about why or why not? Or mm -hmm. like, you're not bad. I'm not bad. There's just, it looks like Jezebel is trying to convert everybody to do what she wants to do. Yeah. But that's not necessarily true. She might have been finding the women that were like her. Yeah. And if she was like, oh, you're not like me, that's fine. Yeah. Do you. Like, mm -hmm. make your unleavened bread and, like, have a blast. Like, right. I'm so cool with that. Because I think most women are cool with what other women are doing. Yeah. But when we see a woman that is sad, we try to be like, oh, I also felt that way. Mm -hmm. Let me help you with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where, like, both of these women were we're trying to change the lives of other women and it really gets men wrote about it. <laughs> so it yes. gets turned on its head. Yeah. Cause whoever gets to write history gets to control the narrative, which we say exactly. all the time. And you know, if we're talking about like equality, it's like Jezebel had it you know she came from a place where she was more equal she married into this relationship she had an equal part at the table it seems like she had her own seal that is fascinating to me and i love that it's backed up by historical facts and i love that it was left out of certain narratives because they could have put it in but they chose not to uh, of course because that would change the narrative and I think it's interesting that Lilith wants equality so bad that she's literally willing to sacrifice everything for it. Mm. I don't know. I just think it's really cool. I do also, though, I find the writing of Lilith fun mm. because it, it provides us an instance to look into the male psyche from different places and different people. Yeah. Because Lilith 
is most likely in most of these multiverses written mm -hmm. by men, mm -hmm. which means we get to see what they think a bad woman is. Yeah. And I like that. I like yeah. being able to see that throughout history, this is what you thought was not okay. Right. Because it does, it provides a window for us to know that how women were treated, even though it's not the women's voices, we mm -hmm. know that they were there and that they were not allowed to do X, Y, Z because mm -hmm. Lilith was. Yeah. And how women could be used as political pawns. <laughs> Constantly. Constantly. And like some men were too, but like, mm -hmm. you know, political pawns are everywhere. Right. But yeah, I just think, um, I don't know. It's all very, it's interesting looking at the two of them because they're also from not that different time periods. They're both from the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. So... I, I mean, wonder, that's judging if we know when yeah. Genesis took place. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I wonder if, because the story, the original story of Lilith happened before Jezebel. We know that. Oh, like yeah. She existed in some sense. So, like, was Jezebel aware, aware of Lilith? I bet she was. Because there is so much archaeological evidence of these bowls and these amulets and things were like, she was a much bigger part of society than anyone wanted to write down. And if she is a part of the gods of fertility. Yeah. And Jezebel was really into Baal, who's a god of fertility. She would have known. She she absolutely would have known. And I mean, there are yeah. thousands of years separating it because we know like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy were like written supposedly by one author, mm -hmm. which most people say was Abraham. Like much before like a lot of the kings of Israel that are mm -hmm. actual ancient history that we yeah. have details on. Yeah. I don't know. That's all. <laughs> That's all I have about the Bible. That's it. All right. I don't know well, if I can do this anymore. I'm feeling we really hope <laughs> our many years of Bible school helped you all tonight. Um, <laughs> are you ready to toast these women? Yeah. All right. Let's toast them. Allie, who would you like to toast this evening? I think tonight I want I I just want to toast anybody who's feeling confused about their um faith and belief system. Yeah. I think it we're so we're everybody's raised in a family that teaches you one thing and it's very hard to branch out from that. Yeah. Um, because you're told that what you think is right, even if what you think is right is a very open belief system, mm -hmm. often you're accusatory of other yeah. closed belief systems mm -hmm. and not, none of that's okay. So I just, I think it's okay to be confused because religion's really hard to talk about and yeah. there's thousands of years of history and not everybody's a scholar and it's, that's okay. Yeah. So just okay. to anybody who's confused about what they believe. Cheers. Cheers. Um... I am going to toast women who leave shitty situations. I think that, again, it would have been so easy for Lilith to stay in the Garden of Eden. I mean, it was literally paradise. It was literally paradise. And she chose to leave, not because she was tricked like Eve or whatever, but because she wanted something more for herself. Yes. And I love that she chose herself over <laughs> like mankind uh <laughs> and yeah she was like i'm not gonna stand for a husband who's bad in bed like i'm going to take control of my life and i love that she did that so cheers to her cheers all right now what are you enjoying in pop culture this week 
Um, so I have gotten into this amazing niche on Twitter. Mm. And there's a lot of really cool people on Twitter who share just like only old pictures of old dresses. Ooh, I love that. And like, if you want to find some, there's like, okay, a stitch of her own is a cute one because it's just like mm. a stitch, but mm -hmm. like, and it's all all these old Victorian dresses. And then if you search the hashtag frocking fabulous, <laughs> you just find all That's these so cute. all these old frocks. Mm. And I've just found that the more that I like pictures of these old dresses, the more pop up because my algorithm Ugh. is now changing. Mm -hmm. And it is, they're so beautiful. Be <laughs> <laughs> hiccups in the middle of that word. Woo. They're so beautiful. It sounds great. I love vintage clothing. I yes. mean, but I also know what I actually really love is like, Victorian dresses exactly and like gilded era stuff that like we typically only see in like costume and stuff yes but like I think that old clothing is fascinating because people did that by like fucking hand and yes. it's insane it actually has made my time on Twitter much more enjoyable oh, that's nice I'm because I just like it's that. not all like fucking political all the time. Yeah. So like I love that it's just pictures of old dresses. Know. And now I just started sharing them. So whoever you are <laughs> out there, I keep sharing your shit. Okay, Great. what are you into? I just finished a book. Um, it's a book that was really popular like years ago and they made a movie about it. Um, but I am late to the game. Fifty Shades of Grey. No, The Girl <laughs> on the Train by Paula Hawkins. Okay. I've never read it. It's so good. Okay. Definitely like Gone Girl vibes. Definitely like what the fuck is going on? Like, and I love that at the center of it is this woman who she's just having a really fucking rough time. And, like, part of the book is that, like, she is dealing with this difficult separation and she's drinking a lot. And, like, you know, she's, like, an unreliable narrator. Narrator. Nar narrator. <laughs> narrator. Narrator? Na I think it's narrator. No. <laughs> no, it isn't. Narrator. She has an unbelievable <laughs> narrative, whatever it is. <laughs> I think it's narrator. <laughs> no, that sounds stupid. Narrator? <laughs> Anyways. Narrator. I thought the book was so good. The um, Girl on the Train. The Girl on the Train. The movie stars Emily Blunt. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um, but it's so good. And it's so uh, twisty and turny. And I love books like that. So The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. I just finished it. And it's so good. <gasps> okay. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I feel really chaotic tonight. Me too. I'm like, bringing in a weird energy, and I know that. It's, it's a very religious, chaotic energy. Yes, I yes, yes, yes. I think we like having PTSD vibes. Yeah. So, <laughs> like did Bible class, except our teachers would have burnt us at the stake for this. <laughs> um, but yeah, but thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this. If you want more, stick around for Patreon. Um, so find us on patreon.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. Rate and review us. That would be the best. But most of all, we want you to never forget that well-behaved women rarely. <laughs> okay, wait. Well-behaved women are Eves. I don't know, but she was also kind of bad. Well-behaved women. Are... Oh, yeah. She was definitely bad. She's definitely bad. Well-behaved women are Ruth. Oh, Adam can't keep it around. But Ruth's made history, so. I also think Ruth was kind of cool. Ruth was cool as fuck. So was Delilah. Oh. So were Mary and Magdalene. The I Bible guess well-behaved women aren't in the Bible. <laughs> You're right. And Technically. They and they rarely make history. And they rarely make history. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
listening to Her Story on the Rocks. We are independently produced by 1986 Entertainment and proudly recorded in Baltimore, Maryland. If there's a woman in history you would like us to cover, you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com. You can also message us on Twitter or Instagram. We post all of our cocktail recipes on Tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us. See you next week. Bye.